Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open-world RPGs from an ecological perspective. I'm the host, Jesse D., an open-world RPG gamer with a master's degree in ecology and evolution. Andrew is back today to talk about No Man's Sky. We do our best to place it in comparison with other open galaxy space games, and we also examine some of the in-game ecology and physics. Today we're joined by special guest Adam Fortis. Adam just finished his PhD in soft matter physics. He also hosts science communication podcasts and blogs. Adam is joining us today to chat about his view of the game from a physics perspective. Welcome, Andrew. This is Adam. Yes. Adam, this is Andrew. Hello. Yes, very nice to to have you on the podcast. So it's always nice to get some some new folks in, get some new perspectives. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. I've been listening and uh, I'm excited to jump in. I'm so happy to hear that. I have like a dedicated fan base of like 15 people now that regularly tune in. And you know, it just, it makes my day to see those listens go up when a new episode comes out. So whoever you are out there in the podcast world, those 15 people... I value you so much. I love you guys. Thank you. So Adam, this is first and foremost a video game podcast, but I'm also a scientist and so are you. Uh, you have you just finished your PhD in soft matter physics. Do you have a few minutes to tell us a little bit about what your project was on? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for the, uh, the introduction. Um, I guess probably the best way to describe it Soft matter can be pretty much anything that's not a crystal, anything that's sort of squishy, could be fluids, could be uh, biological materials. Skin is a good one. And uh, so more or less what I've studied over the last couple of years is if you take something soft, like, uh, like one of these biological materials, and you apply some sort of stress to it or compression or tension or stretch it or do any sort of weird thing to it, how does it respond? So... One of my big projects was if you take like your headphone cable and you twist it and you bring the two ends ends together, you get a loop. If you keep twisting, you get sort of this braided structure. Um, that's called a hockle and a plectoneme, respectively. Don't I've no clue where the names came from, but uh, uh, plant vines can sometimes do it. Uh, yeah. Engineers were interested in it in the 70s because they were laying underwater cables. And I, you, I mean, you've probably broke headphone cables before. Uh, you don't want to make those sort of weird kinks. If any listeners are old enough to remember rotary phones, Ooh. that should happen all the time with rotary phones. <laughs> oh, they get so yeah. tangled. I actually learned uh, if you have one of those coily cables and you have sort of a, a mm-hmm. uh, whatever you'd call like that. A double a, helix. <laughs> yeah, like a coil or whatever. If you have t- yeah. left-handed yeah. coil and a right-handed coil meet right in the middle there, it's called a perversion, which... Uh, Never got to study personally, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that would look really weird on a resume, I think. Yeah. <laughs> got a PhD in perversion. Uh, kind kink, of a big deal. Yeah. I'm not sure. Kinks and perversions <laughs> in uh, various materials. <laughs> so That's amazing. Yeah. That sounds like a uh, scientist stand-up routine a little bit. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, that brings me back around to some of Adam's other stuff uh, that he does. He's a podcaster, a blogger, and uh, I would say a science communication specialist, which sounds like a sci-fi sort of Star Trek like position, like you're you know you're in the bridge or or in engineering or whatever. But it's just it's true. Like you you just love science communication. Do you have any um, anything you want to talk about quickly about your um, your ongoing projects? Yeah. Um... Beyond just like the website that uh, I post a bunch of the stuff to, scientificcanada.ca, um, I'm kind of just taking the the chance that I have, the advantage I have to just sort of explore and uh, try to meet new people and uh, learn about their research. And uh, it seems like there's sort of a market for, uh, you know, me being a sponge and then sort of letting some of the the knowledge that I've just soaked up ooze out. And uh, people seem to... to have a, a use for that so i've been sort of riding that as far as i can go uh soon i'm gonna start doing some like science policy stuff so that's a post phd plan i've okay, got a, cool. a little six month job that i'm gonna you know learn a little bit more about that but uh then it's right back to the the microphone maybe <laughs> <laughs> hopefully yeah it's 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 hard to um to see you doing anything else right now because you're such a good medium for like taking complex um processes and concepts and breaking them down like how you just did with with soft materials like i know it says in your twitter bio like you're an expert at silly putty and i was like i have no idea what that means <laughs> well that's so nice then, to, to hear thank you yeah um and that's actually part of the reason why this show exists is um is how we met um adam and i met at a conference about science communication um, and I made the first episode of this show as sort of like an assignment that we had to do for uh, for the conference. And Adam was the expert, um, I guess, expert reviewer. Anyway, he, he took a listen to uh, the first episode that I put together, gave me some feedback. I sort of reiterated back and forth a bit. And um, you, you encouraged me to continue with the show to, you know, you said that um, I have a really good idea. I think I, I have a, a niche fan base that there will be, you know, at least 15 people interested. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, you really encouraged me to, to continue with the show. So I'm, I'm happy that you convinced me. Um, it means a lot to have you on the show as sort of like, uh, like I said, the mysterious benefactor, the, um, the person behind, um, behind the curtain. You're the Wizard of Oz, so... Well, Thank you. pleasure to Enjoy be here. This. I mean, it's it's a, such a cool idea, and I feel like it's such a it's it's one of those things where I'm surprised I hadn't heard a podcast like this before, and I'm so glad that uh, that I found your show and uh, <laughs> and could be here. <laughs> so, are you? Uh, uh, I know that writing a thesis is is a whole. Uh, monster in itself but when you take time to for yourself are you a gamer yeah so i i've really started to rediscover my like video gaming uh passion i i used to play a lot of video games uh before university and then took a big step back and uh basically didn't play anything or watch any sort of tv it was like a very uh minimalist lifestyle for a couple of years then I, I slowly got more into sort of tabletop things like Magic the Gathering and various board games. But my friends from high school had just continued playing games this entire time. So I would if they would come over, I'd sometimes have them play games for me to watch, like uh, 
I would get my friend Andrew to play Harvest Moon for me. <laughs> I would sort of <laughs> coach him from the sidelines. Um, or I would just tune into my friend's streams and things like that. So uh, now that I have a little bit more time, I'm uh, really trying to jump back in. And uh, I feel like from when I stopped playing to when I started playing again, this open world RPG type game just like brand new to me. It's I can't believe how like intricate things can be and like how realistic it's it's crazy it's it's a blast i've, I've been having a lot of fun playing along with the show <laughs> yeah video games aren't side scrolling adventures anymore and you can like jump like 35 feet into the air yeah <laughs> i remember the first 3d legend of zelda thinking that like it, it can't get better than this can it <laughs> yeah the ocarina of time i yeah. guess that would have been right yeah, yeah. Hey, so some people would uh would say that is one of their favorite or best games so who knows but i guess it's all all to if you're looking at gameplay if you're looking at nostalgia and all that kind of stuff but um it's cool to hear that you're coming back to it what did you come back to like did you pick something up right away uh let's see what's the so i i, I sort of canvassed my friends for recommendations and they tried to ease me into it slowly not have to so yeah i left around the the advent of the two thumb control stick thing and so that was a, that was a little bit cumbersome for me. So they eased me in with a a few classic RPGs like Chrono Trigger and and things like this. Um, and then I kind of just you know followed my heart, the cadence of my heart or something. And uh, I found this game called Paradise Killer, which trained me on the the double thumb, basically just a visual novel. Um, and then yeah, been following Gamer's Guide, playing some of those games. Um, I got a recommendation for Near Automata. Yeah, Automaton. Near Automata, which is pretty yeah. good too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Andrew recommended that game for me too. Okay, yeah, it's sort of uh, sort of open worldy, and there's crafting and some animals. The one thing that really struck me was um, it's like Earth has like humanity had to leave Earth, and so now look at all the plants and animals how they've grown without humans crappy influence on them and that was kind of cool they just got really big (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's uh i i think like near specifically is kind of like one of those i think they were looking at taking things a little bit in that radical direction like whether it's the sci-fi aspect or the animal aspect or whatever so i think everything's kind of like instead of maybe being like a baseline here's what normal evolution might look like let's like make it up here you know like i think that's kind of like how they took it (laughs) yeah probably not the most realistic uh but it served a purpose it it was cool to to jump in there and feel kind of like you're walking around with dinosaurs and robots i mean two things that you can't go wrong with when you're trying to come up with making new creatures for your like fantasy world is one making them really freaking big (laughs) because that's terrifying and two, making them really small and cute, you know? Yeah. They're just, everything's small, like miniature, you know, little tiny mouse-sized creatures. Like, how cute would a mouse-sized T-Rex be? Oh. Like, you'd be like, oh, little guy. My heart. <laughs> Stomping around, can barely even see the little, yeah. like, you know, crouched up arms. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to see, I want to see, like, that as, as, like, Jurassic Park, you know, and, like, See, see the little puddle ripples from the from the tiny little dinosaurs. Like that would I have been might, a much yeah. better starting point instead of just like do the full size dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Maybe do like a little a smaller version first. I don't know. 
they have a lot of technologies but i don't i don't know what they could do they did like blow up the velociraptors i mean i'm not a i'm not a paleontologist but i think that the velociraptors were like turkey sized and then they just made them like oh, human sized just because that's like three terrifying. times the size in the movie holy <laughs> yeah. that's way bigger yeah. that's a bad choice yeah <laughs> i made for cool screenplay i guess yeah we got some classic lines out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's been a while, Andrew, since um, since you've talked about a video game with me. Sure. So mm-hmm. um, remind the listeners what type of gamer you are. And yeah. then uh, we'll circle back to some No Man's Sky. Sure. Is, I didn't mention it yet. This yeah. is a No Man's Sky episode. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get there. Absolutely. Not a Jurassic Park episode. <laughs> Not Jurassic Park, folks. Um, yeah, so games for me, I think still more recently, I really am like narrative-based driven so um i i don't really quite care totally what the genre is like if it's a first person shooter um if it's rpg jrpg if it's visual novel if it's um you know i even like turn-based like more uh, strategy based gaming um i'd say like those are all kind of the ones that i would probably be playing the most often i dip my foot into like some more multiplayer games like like league of legends and like mobas and stuff every once in a while but um i'd say for the most part i'd like kind of stop and start like i'm here i'm with the story i want to be part of the character's decisions and i like that part really really drags me in so i'd say that's kind of the main things i've been playing and did no man's sky tick any of those boxes for you um no man's sky has a really neat gameplay loop i would say there's something in it that i did enjoy and when i got it i had really unfortunately high expectations and they were completely shattered um because i hadn't even looked at any trailers of the game i got it the week it came out um was expecting this really cool kind of like story driven i'm in a galaxy i'm trying to figure out my way through it and it was more just like gather this resource scan this thing try not to die um when you go into space by space pirates (laughs) so i was like uh okay so yeah it it really kind of like rubbed me the wrong way however kind of coming back to it and looking at it a bit more i could see there's a much more of an allure than like my first kind of jump into it also they've done a ton of patches a ton of work on this game um and like you know in in that term it's very much kind of transitioned to like a game as service almost style if you know what i mean by that yeah, for sure. The the a constant development of this game has been commended by a lot of fans um, because, like, you know, they mentioned they're not happy with the feature. And then, like, you know, a year later, the developers are like, don't worry, we got this. Yeah, we make that. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so that has been really cool to see um, that, like, back and forth from, you know, it's almost like they want, you know, they want to please their fan base. They don't want to lose people. Yeah. Um, and it does have huge multiplayer online capabilities, so um, a lot of that brings in like traffic, and traffic brings money. So you know you want to keep the traffic going. So yeah, that's been really cool. Uh, Adam, do you think you are into a specific type of gaming, or are you just all around like you know if you'll try it and see if you like it sort of thing? Uh, I'm definitely trying to be in that uh, that realm of I'll try it, see see if I like it. I I think I'm more I'm very much drawn to 
like a 1v1 strategy type thing. That's just kind of the the pace that I'm used to. But um, mm -hmm. I think with the these open world games, these ones where you can explore and just sort of, you know, sandbox around, I'm, it's growing on me. It's uh, something I wasn't, sh I thought I would be too uh, short attention span to, to really get into it. But uh, this game at the very least has, uh, has changed that. I'm uh, <laughs> chomping at the bit to get back in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They do a pretty good job of introducing things slowly at the start. Oh, yeah. Like, there's mm -hmm. only a few things you can do, and then there's a few th few more things you can do, and all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, I can build a, you know, a jump drive or whatever and fly to, like, the next star system. <laughs> and then, you know, now there's galactic <laughs> trade routes. Like, so it's not all, it's not overwhelming all up, up, up front, uh, which I liked, um, because... If they had hit me with that, plus the possibility of me exploring literally, like, so many planets that I can't even remember the number for. Quintillion, I think. Um, that just, yeah, I would have lost interest. I would have turned it on and went, nah, it's too much to yeah, do. <laughs> turned it off. <laughs> so, so I'm glad that they started small, at least for me, because I would have been overwhelmed. Yeah, I felt quite overwhelmed, even still with uh, being trapped on the, the planet during the initial sequence and uh, the stress of, wait, hold on, I, I can't just stand and like leave my controller and like walk away. Yeah. I might just die. That really like threw me for a loop. I, I hadn't really experienced that kind of uh, pressure. But uh, yeah. thankfully that, that sort of pressure kind of eases uh, once you do the first little bit of the story and they, they really get you in there. Mm -hmm. you can uh, install like upgrades and stuff yeah yeah i'm used to um games where like i can go i can pause it and like go make dinner and then like come back um but if you've chosen the online you can't do that like time doesn't stop right yeah. so if you mm -hmm. pause it you're just like in the pause menu <laughs> yeah you're just in your menus <laughs> like there's stuff moving yeah. around you can see things like flying or whatever so you have to be somewhere safe because like it'll eat away your health still so this is a staring at your phone while walking across the street kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm guilty of staring at my phone while i'm supposed to be playing video games so <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk more about some of the stuff that we liked about the game. Um, sure. Any specific likes that you can pick out? Um, like, for instance, this game, it has pretty good survival in the sense of, like, you got to, you know, monitor your temperature or your, like, radiation and all the, like, toxic stuff that your suit takes care of is all lumped into one category. And that's just sort of, like, your suit power. Um, so you just recharge your, like, exosuit um, and then your life support is like another one. So you just dump oxygen into that. So in terms of survival, it was actually pretty straightforward and how to like keep your character alive. You didn't have to worry about eating or drinking anything. It's just those two resources that you had to keep pumping into your suit. Um, so that's what, I guess it, it was kind of like a like and a dislike. I'm glad that it was only two things because if it was more, I would have put, uh, yeah, again, I would have put it down. I've been like, this is too much. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Um, Jesse, what did you think about the balancing as far as like survival? Like you were kind of saying it, it didn't take you to the, like to the factor that you needed to consider all these different things to survive, but there are like some things in No Man's Sky that 
you know, still have that kind of danger or difficulty built in. So how did you find that as you're like going through the game? Like Adam said at the beginning, it was, it was scary because they put, they dump you on this like hot planet, right? You're basically like, it's a fire planet and you don't know how to do anything. You just have this laser and you're shooting stuff. And, um, and once you learn that you can like pump certain resources into your suit to recharge it, it's less terrifying, but it's, there's still the chance of like, you know, you can't find what you need. Like sodium was very rare at the start. I was like, I don't even know what to look for. These are yellow plants. How come they don't have sodium? Um, and so, so that was, you know, kind of frustrating, but, um, there's a certain point when like, when you get the, the, uh, blueprints for, for the exosuit upgrades that those don't like that it doesn't deplete your energy as much when you're exposed to those certain environments so like say you get the the radiation one or like the freezing one you can go to those planets and not have to worry about recharging your suit as much um so that was that was kind of nice to like um you know have something to work towards like you know i'm trying to save money so that i can get this um upgrade or whatever so in that sort of sense it was like a skill tree almost like you had to um find those uh berry technology caches to like cash in for your upgrades so it it was kind of like you found you know you found a skill point and like you get the next (laughs) skill in the tree but uh you had to spend money to do it so that was neat what did you think about that yeah um I'm not going to lie, I didn't make it, like, super far in this game. Um, I spent a lot of time exploring, like, one planet, the first planet, and I made it off eventually. But I tried to chart it out, and I was being all completionist about it. And then I realized I'm just going to burn out because I got to my third planet trying to do that. And I, <laughs> I was like, this is too much. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was trying to <laughs> yeah, build some yeah. bases. Um Also, I started finding, like, those caches or, like, those kind of um, things around that you could kind of, like, break into. Or I'm trying to remember back. There's kind of, like, a wanted system a little bit in the game, too, right? Like, if you... Oh, yeah, yeah. With the... um, There's, like, those little autonomous drones that Mm -hmm. chase you. Yeah. And if you stay in their radar too long, it's, like, GTA uh, sort of wanted style where, like, they just keep sending harder drones after you. Yeah. And eventually, like, there's a giant robot that, like, falls from the sky and chases you. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember that happening. And But, like, I, I did enjoy the exploration bit. And I, I kind of started to treat it more instead of as a completionist, as just, I'm, I'm going to just veg out. I'm going to, like, explore some stuff. I'm going to find some new things. And I'm going to just kind of have a relaxing time, kind of, like, winding down before bed. Just, like, checking out, hey, there's a purple tree. Like, what's up here? What's this thing about? You know? And, like, oh, there's a cave. Maybe there's something good in it. And I just started playing it that way, and it was fun. Um, but I'm, like, a super narrative-driven guy. So it was, like, it's only fun for me for so long to do that kind of stuff before I'm, like, okay, I need I need a story. I need a character. I want something to kind of do here. Um, but, um, Adam, you, you played the game, right? So what did you kind of find out like as you were going through this because if you're coming back to games like this is a very interesting way to get led back i don't think there's a lot of games that do things exactly the way that no man's sky does it Mm -hmm. yeah so i I don't have a a ton to compare to but um i will say so i i obviously didn't complete it because i don't know if you you possibly can oh no and i I don't know if you can either (laughs) i didn't get to the end of the the narrative but i was a little bit surprised how um sort of the narrative just kind of felt like it was a a side quest if you will 
and the main yeah. quest was just sort of like existing and uh exploring <laughs> and stuff so it was very mm-hmm. much curiosity driven for me which uh which was good um i'm not sure how many hours that can hold me um but the the constant new discoveries and like learning languages and, and trying to like speak to the people on the bases that's still I'm, I'm still very much driven to do that so i'm sure that i'm, I'm just going to get shown new exciting things as i go um but I'm, those are at least like realistic completionist goals yeah. andrew like you can go and learn those like four languages or whatever and mm-hmm. then you're like okay i did it but, yeah, I don't sorry. know if I'll be sucked into to building a, a super rad base, um, possibly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. At this point, there, there's just so much that I don't really understand about the universe and stuff. That's uh, pretty easy to, you know, dive in for half an hour, forty five minutes, do a couple things, and get out if I feel like it, or or just veg out all night. But yeah, it's a weird experience. I never would have thought I would be into this kind of game, but uh, I'm liking it so far. Even without the big narrative. Um, in terms of comparisons to games that we have played on here previously, um, for the story being secondary, Red Dead was like that, I found. You know, there was a few points where you had to do the main story. Um, Subnautica, yeah. I think, is the closest in terms of gameplay because... Um, there's no instructions. You're just free to do whatever. Um, the big thing with Subnautica, which sort of touches on something you said, Adam, was that, like, you didn't feel a need to build a base. In Subnautica, when you build a base, you know, it's your, like, it's your home for a bit until you get the Cyclops submarine, and then you just never go home again because you just live in your submarine. So I did not feel compelled to make a base at this game because there was too many things to explore. I was like... I might never come back to this system. Why would I build anything here? It was very... It felt like the game was encouraging you to be a nomad. Um, because, you know, I wish that I could have explored... I wish I could have gotten a bigger ship and put mm-hmm. stuff in my ship instead and carried it around that way. Um, rather than just, like, you know, seeing the cockpit. Because... Uh, I would have liked that more. Like, you know, if you're in space and you're an explorer in space, you don't have a home base on some, like, random planet that was, like, you know, six systems ago. Like, you're not going to go back to that. So, yeah, it was um, discouraging for me to to feel like I was forced to make a base and, like, they kept giving you, like, you know, all these interior decorations and stuff. And when I built a, when I built a base for the tutorial... It was literally just a box. I was like, four walls, a floor, a roof. Okay, I did it. Yeah, move on. And I went inside and I was like, oh, it's not hot in here. (laughs) I placed one of those little glowy plants in the corner and it felt like home. (laughs) Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's... um, And then I realized that you could, like, you know, recharge your um, equipment and hook up electricity and stuff. And But then you were responsible for, like, making sure that you kept your generator loaded with, you know, fuel or carbon or whatever. And I was like, uh, it's getting to be too much. Um, And so that's where I sort of lost interest. It's like, I just wanted to explore the galaxy. And then the survival aspect sort of became a hindrance to that, um, which reminds me of of Spore. Did you guys ever play Spore? No, but I was very intrigued when it uh, came out. That was another one that seemed 
Was that like one of the earlier like procedurally generated like massive you could never play the same game twice kind of uh, games or? Yeah, it would. Um, so you could pick your galaxy at the start and then pick your planet and it would give you like a selection of like four planets to start on. And how the game worked is it w- you would design your life form, basically single celled organism. Um, and, you know, you would eat either other single celled organisms or you would eat plants, plant matter. And when you came across these like, you know, other body parts or, or whatever features that you could incorporate into your, your own cell, you could evolve and um, your single cell would, you know, get bigger or it could grow a limb. And then by the end of it, um of that phase you like walk out onto land and it's like a big deal that you're like now a terrestrial life form and and then you're you know you're social and you're roaming and you have like little nests and like um uh, eventually you you know you claim a village and now you're sentient (laughs) and like you have a culture and like you can you know war with other um existing sentient beings on that planet and then all of a sudden you know you're at the technology phase and then you're launching into space and so i went through this whole like progression of single cell to like you know now we're a spacefaring species um and you know you meet other people other aliens in the galaxy and you can trade with them and things but yes exactly that feeling of like there's so much to do i want to go everywhere um immediately popped into my brain it's just this was Spore was very, like, cartoony and sort of, like, uh, whiteboard almost. Like, it felt like, you know, oh, I don't like the way that my creature's nose, you know, crinkles when it makes a noise. So I'm going to go into the creature modification and, like, change its nose. But this, what? you know, it, it was, was just... that exact? You could, like, do that level of enhancements? Um, like, you could make it, like, bigger or smaller, move it around, change the nose style. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff you could do. Um, and you could test it out by, like, hitting the noise button, and the creature would, like, make a noise, and its nose would do something weird, so. Uh, you're never gonna see the nose, like, doing the thing, but if it bugged you, you could change it. You could just change it, yeah. 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 That's interesting. That's a cool way to, uh, to keep you invested in your progression, Rather than like you know having mm. this base that you have to abandon, you can't abandon your evolutionary line or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I think that maybe that game that No Man's Sky was missing that mm. because your character started out with amnesia. Mm. So you're like, am I gonna find out more about their backstory? And like, you never really do. It was just like, okay, hey, you're a traveler. You're like all of these other people that you know come to this anomaly and share knowledge and it's like i'm not i don't get it (laughs) but in that sense they've they've made it they've tailor made it to whoever plays it like you can come up with your own backstory um and you know you can come up with your your own reasoning for why your character crashed on that planet uh, which is kind of cool i guess um yeah it was i think there was a lot of things that i would like to see have you guys played yeah. Stellaris? Yeah, Stellaris is great. Tell um, us about Stellaris, Andrew. And like to be to be fair, I feel like Stellaris is kind of like, um, you know, it, it adds a kind of like civilization meets No Man's Sky. If you've ever played a Civ game or like know what yeah. like Civ game is like, um, that that would be the perfect explanation because it's you're in a space, it's galaxy, you can build your species um race 
and make it like a machine robot. It can be like a rock thing. It can be a bug person. It can be a human. It can be things you've not even imagined that could be humanoid or sentient. It's slug people or slug animals. Like it's very odd, um, but it's really cool. And I feel like that kind of game almost like gave me a bit of a, a more of, how do I put it? Like there was more to do that I wanted to keep doing. No Man's Sky to me was like, it's great if you want to be out there exploring, you want to find some new stuff, you want to catalog some things, like that game will sustain you. And to be fair, I'm talking about the game when I played it like five or six years ago. So I didn't, I haven't played it with all the recent patches, but you know, Stellaris is kind of like the, the galaxy is shifting around you. There are these events. There's all these like, you know, anomaly things you can go investigate. There's like planets to explore and expand upon. You're making, you know, armies, you're making diplomatic ties. Um, you know, it's kind of procedurally generated. So everything changes. It's just like No Man's Sky. But there's just kind of, I don't know, this like different level of control and like more going on there. Obviously, again, it's because it's civilization type based. It is kind of like a board game. There isn't really a strong narrative there either, but there are certain things that happen like throughout each playthrough that maybe like feel more like a narrative or feel more like you're creating your own narrative versus the developers made a story with characters who play the roles with voice acting and that type of thing. Um, but have either of you played that type of game before? Like kind of turn-based strategy type? Uh, I've done like Age of Empires uh, 1 and 2. And that's kind of what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like a, a mix between like a, a Minecraft and Age of Empires type thing without maybe the 1v1 or whatever competition. Is that sort of uh, the vibe you're describing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it's very like macro there's no like you're a unit you're a person in the experience of the game you're it's much the more... civilization itself like you are the okay. government you run the civilization you're yeah. the government you're like the supreme ruler basically although the ruler can change and can die and whatever <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah but um really neat game but you know kind of going back to some of those roots from no man's sky that i feel like maybe does stick with some people i almost feel like if you were looking for something and again, this game is not a horror game by any means, but it has that kind of like almost psychological, like thrillery vibe to it because there's this kind of like, well, what am I going to get on this next planet? Am I not going to have the suit and the technology that helps me on a different type of um, terrain or climate or, um, you know, there's species there or something like that. So did either of you find that kind of interesting of like i'm going someplace and you i don't know what i'm going to get there and kind of like were you nervous at all about that or did you kind of feel like you were set as you were leaving your planet and felt like ready to go uh certainly during the um while you're sort of getting t uh, pulled along from the the narrative and it kind of felt like an intro tutorial thing i just sort of trusted them that if they said i was ready to go i was ready to go but after <laughs> that yeah i totally felt that um I would say maybe like it's it's a horror game in the sense that like living in reality is a horror game <laughs> like just <laughs> never feeling prepared. Real life like, is a horror. Real game. life is a horror game. <laughs> <laughs> it had that yeah. sort of sort of anxiety driven uh, like, do I have everything I need? Do I have my wallet? Do I? Have, <laughs> yeah. Am I going to be able to lift <laughs> yeah. off this planet later? Where I don't did, know. <laughs> where did I leave my spaceship? Piece? <laughs> <laughs> or did I go too far away from my spaceship? Did either of you go too far away and then like? Oh, no. 
can I make it back to the spaceship? Because <laughs> that 100% happened to me. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the only way to recharge is to, like, find a planet or just dig so far underground and hope you get out of the, you know, whatever environment you're in that's causing harm to you. Yep. Yeah, yeah that was kind of stressful. blew my mind that you were able to start uh, just digging enormous holes so early in the game. That seemed like, <laughs> like kind of like an end boss kind of uh, ability that... You know, no mortal human should have. <laughs> I wanted to. I never did try, but I, I thought about like, is there a point where like you can't go any deeper, or like how does it work? Where you, do you get know. to the center of the planet and like you can't, you can't go back up? How does that work? I wanted to try it. You know, like in Minecraft, when you dig so far down that you hit bedrock, and it's like can't can't go any deeper. That's you know level zero. So yeah, you just at the lava. That's... I should try that next time I have the game on. Yeah, uh, related to that, can you like tr do a full loop around the globe if you were to just sort of, sort of keep walking? You could probably do it in your ship, right? Yeah, and come 100%. back around. Yeah. But... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a while, but you can do it. Okay, for sure. so then you could probably walk through. It kind of makes me think that you could at least like do like a one quarter cut. Oh through yeah, if you like really... a quarter down and a quarter out kind of thing. Yeah, you might be able to do that. Interesting. I wonder if gravity works in that same way where like it'll accelerate you down and then spit you out. <laughs> like a hyperloop or something. That'd be kind of nutty. Um, yeah, slingshot yourself, but through the planet. <laughs> We're going to do a slingshot oh, maneuver. This is not what we intended. <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, I got a couple, uh, couple weeks of, uh, of downtime. I could probably just, I don't know, rig up the controller to have the, the laser going at all times of the day. <laughs> just to see if see I can actually get. get through. Yeah, I'm curious. I, bet you I mean, you would get stuck in that hole for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're never getting out again. Uh, it's a one-way trip. <laughs> it's a one-way trip. Um, you know, this would also address the question on if it's easier to train drillers to be astronauts or astronauts <laughs> to be drillers. <laughs> Where's Bruce Willis? <laughs> I know. When you need this? <laughs> Armageddon. Oh my God. Did you see? Is this a reference to that news uh, story that NASA's sending a, a satellite to smash into an asteroid? <laughs> It was it was a reference to that, okay, but also excellent. to and Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. All right. and the other movie that came out the same year as Armageddon, but wasn't Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, um, why? Alex Deep would know what that the was. Same movie twice. Deep Impact. Yeah, <laughs> that was a weird era of that happening. There was like Deep Impact, Armageddon, and there was bugs and an ant's life, and it seems like the, there's just always concurrent. Calculus was invented at the same time by two people. I don't know. Whoa! All these yeah. inventions come in pairs, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I mean, a bug's life was clearly better than ants. Like we don't even just, have to argue just, about that. Ants was too gritty for me. <laughs> yeah, it was like it. It hit hard. It was like not a kids movie. You watch it and you're like, wait a second, this is rough. This is too real. It, it got real for ants. Yeah. <laughs> So I was just listening to your most recent episode on um, on some of the, the life forms and, and whatnot, and you brought something up that I thought was pretty interesting, that, uh, you know, if you if you harvest life forms, generally you're just getting carbon out of them. Um, and you speculated that maybe it'd be cool if there were some other um, alternative uh, rather than carbon-based life forms. Uh, yeah, like, what if, what if there was a life form made of, like, diamonds? You know, like carbon, but in like crystal form mm -hmm. or or like, um, you know, uh, a planet 
that, uh, you know, that was like a metal planet. What if all the life forms were like metallic? I don't know. There was just, there's so much. And, you know, if we're playing a sci-fi game and we're placing, you know, these these limitations on life forms that we, you know, put into this world that we've made up, um, it kind of loses the the possibility for for more creativity. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, why put those limitations down in the first place? Let's just see what the game comes up with. Like, when you get... When you... <laughs> When they do these AI things where they they show an AI like every Christmas movie ever made and then they get the AI to write a Christmas movie. <laughs> so, like, what does it come up with? Um, it's usually bad, but um, something like that, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm just trying to think uh, with the alien races or species or, or whatever they are on the, uh, the ship. There's that one group that has, like, TV screen faces. Are they... Are they carbon based or maybe they're silicon based? I feel like you could make an argument that maybe they could be silicon based because they're kind of like computer chips, but. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they, I mean, they could also be just like little slug guys riding around in a big yeah. mega suit. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't mine them, but uh, <laughs> I would like yeah. to try. <laughs> Frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah, if there's one, then you'd think that one of these planets would have something else like that. It's yeah, it's kind of a shame that uh, they didn't explore that. I don't know. I can think of some terrifying to make it more horror-ish. I can think of some terrifying aliens. Like if you go to like one of those ossified planets, the ones that are like the dead planet. But then you know, say you dig down into the into the soil or whatever it is, and you run into these like jagged-looking, you know. Um, I don't know, porcupine creatures or like yeah. anything ha- anything with spikes. I'm like, eh, it's scary. <laughs> Even like sea a urchins. space leviathan type style, like something out of Subnautica, but like that thing that actually is like in the space or in that's just inhabiting a planet and you just walk by the wrong hole and there's just a massive beast there. I, like, I don't know. Like these things are kind of like, crazy ideas but it'd be interesting i feel like the game would have been a little bit more interesting if that was the kind of level of thing that felt more like signature unique because i don't know what both of your interpretations are because from an ecological perspective i know next to nothing right so i i but what kept coming up to me was like same planet slightly different colored slightly different shape of the same you know like flora or fauna or whatever and then it was just kind of repackaged and it was really like that at the beginning. I don't I think they've made a lot of changes since then, but did you notice anything like that? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, every time I went to a new planet, I what I thought were rocks were actually plants. And I was like, that's a weird looking rock. And I go and scan it. Oh, it's a plant. And there's one immediately next to it that's like a smaller version <laughs> of what I just scanned and I scanned that one and it's different. And I was like, okay. And then there's, like, one on the ground over there. And I'm like, that's a rock, definitely. Nope, it's plant two. <laughs> so there was, like, four in a row where I was like, these are all rocks. I don't understand. So I don't know. Maybe the game, like, didn't... Maybe they they imported them wrong and, like, the graphics wasn't loading or something. But they were all just, like, blocky and square. Um, but that brings up a good point, too, Andrew. I noticed um, all of the life forms in this game are, like medium-sized you think of like a medium-sized mm. creature in D. there was no like tiny creature or like large creature i mean there were some large ones but not like you know gargantuan or whatever like you're thinking of leviathan yeah 
I mean, how much, how many times have we seen in like a you know sci-fi movie where like guys just big walking past a cave entrance and like you know a giant tentacle comes out or like a big chomping worm thing? There was no space worms. Like, come on. <laughs> this uh, this reminds me of that uh, that bit in I forget which which Star Wars it is, but they land on uh, what they thought was an asteroid, but it's actually just like a big old worm in there that tries to eat them. No, tra- there weren't any <laughs> mm-hmm. trap planets. A planet that you thought was, you know, a planet that actually was just like a one thing that wanted to eat, like a Pac-Man yeah. that wanted to eat I, you or something. Like, and again, like this is just kind of like, you know, some silly idea on, on my part or, you know, something even like the movie Dune or the book Dune, if anybody, you know, got pulled in by the whole hype around that. It's just like, that could have been really freaking cool. Like, you're a desert planet. You don't know anything that's going on. And at first glance, it looks like, everything's normal maybe there's some sentient race whatever you go to the wrong area and all of a sudden there's a you know 500 meter sized dune worm that's piling out of the sand that kind of thing i think would have made this game much more exciting for me um and again like it's not to be you know unfair to this game i think there's a lot of fun to be had here i think there's a lot of interesting mechanics and things that it does very uniquely and i get it when you're making this like quintillion amount of planets how do you have something signature maybe it's like you go into a system and when you scan it one of the planets is a signature planet so out of like the 20 that are in that system or whatever um or on your way or every 20 planets or something there's something super unique there and it's like i would have been driven to find that next unique planet i would have been driven to like do something interesting like that and maybe to the people that made it to the end game and are like super invested they got that it's just like i i I don't want to spend like 30 hours trying to find out when the next fun thing is going to happen when the next new thing is going to happen if that makes sense so what you're saying is if you knew that there was a shiny pokemon planet out there just waiting for you to find (laughs) you would spend the time trying to run into a shiny pokemon planet million percent i want the shiny pokemon planet that's it i want the shiny pokemon planet and i want it to be a dragonite okay is that too much to ask i want shiny dragonite the uh, odds are like one in four thousand that you come across sorry go ahead i heard a rumor that there is out of uh one of those one quintillion planets there is a shiny pokemon planet where you know you have all original 150 and they are shiny oh but it's really hard to find i don't this is I think we need to stop right now because I have to go play the game. <laughs> I, I'm, I gotta I go. Know. I got something I gotta do, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. quitting my job. Actually, can, I'm we just, can we just hang out here? I got, I'm gonna check some YouTube channels right quick. I want to see if someone's found this. Like, I want to get there. You know? Oh man. Yeah, we're doing a fact check. <laughs> oh man. Did anyone run into any other players? Um, I played it when the player base was probably, and again, I, I, this could be wrong, but probably when it was near its peak, when like a bunch of people got really excited and bought the game in the first couple of months. Um, I only ran, I think, one other player, but I, I didn't run into very many. Did any, any of you have that experience? I'm terrified of online multiplayer games. Um, <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think it's just because of, like, I grew up playing RuneScape, and... Oh, you know, no. you get something good in that game and immediately you're dead. Like somebody just steals it from you and they run you over <laughs> with their car. I mean, there's no cars in the escape, but if there were, they'll find one. They would run you over after shooting you with like fire, fireballs. 
So I think I yeah I don't I don't play multiplayer. Um, if I played it and I didn't run into somebody, it would be like the most perfect. I'd be like, yes, there's no one here. <laughs> I guess you could sort of suspend your own, uh, you know, live in like a, your own sort of fantasy and say that you started the multiplayer button. Just like close your eyes and pretend you clicked multiplayer. Just like yeah, I got the full experience. Saw no one. It was awesome. <laughs> no one. No one showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played the multiplayer either. Um, I too am kind of nervous with these sort of uh, like wide open, you can kind of do whatever and interact however uh, multiplayer mm-hmm. games. Totally fine when it's like a, like a Street Fighter or something where like the interactions are really contained. But uh, yeah. I'm a little nervous when it comes to like people being really over leveled or over experienced and like I don't know what they can do to me. <laughs> So yeah, just, that's true, super true. fair. Terrifies yeah. me. That's why I'm scared too, because like I know that I've only invested like, you know, 15 hours into this game, and for me, like, you know, I'll do that for for games that I, um, that I at least like. You know, I won't put 15 hours into a game that I don't like, um, and that's that's like peanuts, right? Like I've put like 700 hours into video games before. Um, hashtag lockdowns, um, and. You know, if you're working from home and you got nothing else to do, um, that's not yeah. unheard of. So, yeah, I think if I was to to do the online multiplayer, I have a very steep curve to like get up to the to the median player level because the game's been out for a while. If I if I got it right at the beginning and it's something that I enjoyed and I could like sort of stick with it or, you know, what. Um, what do they do? Uh, Fortnite, every once in a while, they, like, they erase everybody's level and everybody starts from, like, level one again. So it's sort of, like, its own tiering system where, like, you know, if you get better, you know, your level gets higher and it bumps you up, um, mm. bumps you up into, like, or it rewards you for playing for a really long time because you get experience for, like, yeah. just playing a match. So you end up, you know, with better people in the end. Um my partner Tyler plays um, World of Warships, and uh, that tiering system is based on like if you win or lose, you get bumped down to a bracket. So if you win all the time, you end up with really good players, um, opponents, and if you lose all the time, you end yeah. up you know with people that have never played before. So um, if it was like that, that would be fair too, I think. Um, just sort of speculating, how how do you think they would um, create these sort of brackets? Because that sounds really good to me, like. But as far as I can tell, you don't really get into a position in in No Man's Sky where you're sort of battling, unless like, unless I've just sort of missed it. So like, would it would you think it would be based on like economy or things that you've collected or, um, like how how do you th- think they would divide up uh, people to to make sure the interactions were sort of level? Um, well, if it's if it's one server then it would have to be, like, based on the area of the galaxy. Um, like, how they did in RuneScape, where there were, like, certain PvP areas where you could kill other players. Mm, right, um, And if you crossed if you crossed those, you know, picket fences, you were fair game. Um, and so if you went into that territory of the galaxy, you were fair game. And I think that would be fair because, you know, for people that, for me, like, you know, you don't want all your stuff steal- stolen... Um, you can at least stay out of that area, mm-hmm. and that would be fair. 
Um, if there if there wasn't anything like that, then it would have to be based on like lobbies, I think. Um, and they look at you know um, your inventory or like how many hours you have or your there'd have to be some kind of scoring system, mm-hmm. right? Like how many kills you have versus other players, how many space pirate kills you have to like lump you in in a lobby with with similarly skilled people. I think. Mm-hmm. I know they have a, a mechanic in there for um, you can upload the the stuff you've scanned to like the the global database or something like that. So wonder if they could implement mm-hmm. something where it's like, you know, you start at the the very base level with just intro people, and if you don't upload to the next level yeah. or something like that, then you just sort of stay in this smaller galaxy. But then you can like attach your systems to increasingly large ones. Not sure. Either those could be good. But yeah, that's probably yeah. the thing that would stop me from actually playing with other people. Yeah, you just that. don't want your experience ruined by somebody else. Right? <laughs> like I think that's kind of like the core of the concern I hear from mm-hmm. both of you. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. Because when somebody else is way more invested or knows the game more than you, then you're at an extreme disadvantage when it comes to like multiplayer or PvP um, type gameplay, right? <clears throat> and I think, yeah, like to Jesse's point about RuneScape, like that game just ruins your perspective on life i think like if you're out there and if you played runescape i have i grew up playing runescape as well like (laughs) it is built to scam you that there is just an infinite amount of ways to get scammed to lose all your stuff to get all your progress destroyed um and so if there are multiplayer games that are built off this really kind of very flimsy rule set and just go out there and just figure it out you're gonna get burned a lot of times and if you don't have like 500 hours to spend to get your stuff back or to learn or to like be competitive um there will be a lot of people who do that so you got to be kind of prepared for that i know in some of the other multiplayer games i've played like league and things like that they have like a, a ranked gameplay so it's literally the exact same game but it's a it's a lobby for people that want to play ranked. It's so you have a ranking and you get placed after like 10 or so games. Um, again, like this is more of a, you know, 20 to 30 minute game and you play it over and over again, like a loop, like a fighting game type style, right? So it's not the same in No Man's Sky, but maybe it's like you've gotten this gear, you've made it to this rank. So this is, you know, this is the server you're going to interact with, or you can interact with higher level players, but there's like a system lock. There's like no firing. There's no like connectivity. You can see them, you can check out their stuff, but it's like they can't interact with you. They can't take your stuff. They can't mess with Mm -hmm. you kind of thing, right? So I don't know, maybe that would be easier. And again, I'm not a game developer, so I don't know. Yeah, I think I would be comfortable with with playing online multiplayer if if like we were all just explorers, you know. Mm-hmm. If I could visit a planet and see like this bustling trade town full of of other um, gamers, um, and like not risk you know them destroying my house or whatever by digging a hole under it, <laughs> then um, then yeah, I would I would totally be into that for sure. Yeah, I don't think that it's would just the risk of like. Losing stuff that you've invested mm-hmm. time in, I think, is the, mm-hmm. the biggest loss. I don't think that would uh, detract from my my experience if I could go to other people's systems and planets. And oh, too bad I can't directly interact with all of the stuff they've made. Like maybe they can make like a little trade depot or something, and I go there and do some trading. But like, yeah, I, I'm not too worried that I won't be able to destroy somebody's home. <laughs> That, that's not yeah. something I would have done anyway, I don't think. So <laughs> yeah. if they just locked that sort of aspect out, it'd be all right.
this kind of reminds me if you've ever, either of you have ever heard of EVE Online. Um, there is that kind of aspect to this game. And that game it kind of sounds like No Man's Sky, except it's more of a like forever MMO type style. Whereas No Man's Sky kind of is more like single player based where you can run into other people. This one's based off interacting with other people. And there's like... I can't even explain it all. You should just look it up if you're interested. But this kind of takes No Man's Sky to, you know, you know, on ten times more level of like intricacies and interactivity with other people. They have like economies that they've built in the game over years that are built off of these things that cost like thousands of dollars in real life because of how much time and energy that people have spent making these ships and making these trade things. And like, it's, it's wild. Like they, they basically recreated um, an economy, like a working economy, like a country would have inside of this game when the game kind of like almost wasn't even created for that level of intricacies. So it's kind of neat. So that's where cryptocurrency comes from, right? I don't, <laughs> that'd be funny <laughs> if it was, I don't know, but um, it, it is like, pretty interesting how people have kind of created that and made banks inside of a game so that other gamers could it's it's just wild if you're interested and you want a more like in-depth no man's sky i would suggest maybe checking out eve if that's kind of your style this makes me think of uh this like old adage or whatever it's like if you you know when you're making a map or something you're you know just putting the the important details so you can like compress whatever but like if you want to make a better map, you're going to have to add more and more details. And like the best possible map would be like a one-to-one -one scale with the thing you want to map. Seems like Eve is just like recreating all of society and Earth, maybe? Yeah, in, in the galaxy format. Absolutely. Yeah. That seems huge. That's crazy. Oh, it's, it is insane. Yeah. And again, I've never played it. I know about the game. Um, and there was like, they have like armies and they have factions and they have people that have ruled parts of the galaxy. And it's like, they kind of like made their own Star Wars, essentially. Um, except that there wow. are individual people actually playing like all the ships in a massive Star Wars battle that you would see like in the movie. That's how insane they've gotten where it's just like thousands of people this on a server. And like some of them have like the big destroyers and cause like they're that rich in the game and they have all these other people like it's, it's nuts. You just, just watch a YouTube video of someone explaining it and you're like, I can't believe this exists. <laughs> Could you imagine like, you know, you go to your day job, you're like an accountant for like a law firm or whatever. Then you come home and you're like, no, no, no. I am the supreme ruler yeah. of this corner of the galaxy. Like this is this is where I thrive. Like, you know, cracks the cracks the coke, gets out his armchair, you know, sits down, gamer guy. Yeah. I am set. He's got his, you know, his posse or whatever. That's that's funny to me. This is like black mirror stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. That's funny. I um so so originally when I got into RPGs um, I, and, you know, computers were new. I played text-based RPGs, mm. uh, which is just like a chat room where you go and you talk to people and, like, there's a guy in charge who's, like, you know, I did a Star Trek one. And the captain is, like, the guy who's been there the longest, I guess. And unless the captain comes to talk to you, like, you know, you just go about your business doing stuff and, like, a problem will come up and you're, like, you know, in the science lab and, like... Uh, this plant is escaping its container. What do you do? <laughs> like, 
quickly type in the chat like oh no i look for a larger container to put the plant in <laughs> so, so it's just like at the, at there's a point where video games become too much like real yeah. life like i realized that as a teenager or a, a young adult um text-based rpgs were like work when i didn't know what work was like um and so when you enter the working world and then you think back you're like man i was just working but like in my head like it wasn't actually doing anything i was just i was typing about it and then now like you know like what adam was saying it's a one-to-one like we have we've come full circle to the point where we have made video games like that episode of the office but now we can all fly like this is like second life or whatever it's called right this is dwight in second life but i can fly (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that that's just it and it again like maybe from more of a psychological perspective that i would understand i think it gives some people that level of freedom and kind of power or you know liberty in some ways to be able to change something or or investigate or explore something that they might be really into that either they're afraid to do in their real life or don't have the power or means to do in their real life and it kind of like really because there's so many games that are built off of that right like different simulator games for vr there's like farming simulator like adam was talking about harvest moon earlier like stardew valley love that game it's like i'm not a farmer but yeah did i pump in over 50 hours into stardew valley you bet i did did I make a massive cauliflower? Yes, I did. And I loved every second of it. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like those kind of games, like it, it's kind of real life. You wake up every day. I harvest my stuff. I fed my cows, fed my chickens. Like that's what a real farmer does. Like obviously it's at the most basic, simplistic, you know, frame of it. But I think it kind of gets people into that. Like, hey, if I could do something the exact way I wanted to with like the least amount of effort, but still have the fun of doing it could i craft a game that people would want to do that and people do like to do that i'm pretty sure that's all farming is though Har- harvest moon i think embodies every aspect of, of farming that uh you know a commercial farmer they'd probably sign off on and say that's basically it <laughs> yeah I, I mean like it, obviously there might be like a couple of more things and you have to put your energy involved and time involved because there's like you know it was a kind of weird time mechanic in some of those games where like you can kind of just do things forever as long as you don't go to a different screen or talk to somebody or like you know so like time obviously works differently but yeah you know you just chopping down this tree i gotta hit it this many times and i use this and i build this and it's just kind of like a loop right um but there's something Mm -hmm. super satisfying there there's something that's i i think part of kind of the human experience of like progress and that's what video games are just based off right like you do something, mm-hmm. you get something cooler. You get that cool thing, now you can go do a cool thing you couldn't do before. And they want that kind of loop to continue because it's just like that kind of satisfying loop, right? Maybe that's why I didn't like this game as much because it didn't feel like I had any measurable progress to show because of it. Mm. Um, like there was no level. Yeah, no rad shit. Yeah, there was no... Right? There was no level. There was no... Like there was money. I could collect space money. Like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> um and you could buy resources rather than like mining them and once you get to that point you're just like why do i ever do anything different (laughs) like i could just i could just blast asteroids for gold and sell the gold and then why do i need to go on a planet i don't i have all the money right here in space (laughs) but um yeah having measurable sort of 
um, progression of the game that's shows you what you've spent your time doing, I think is important. And unless you have, unless you pick something in this game that you really like doing, so like say you like scanning life forms or, you know, animals and plants, or if you like building, or if you like, uh, you know, collecting ships and trying to get, you know, one of every ship or the best ship, there's no, you have to set your own goal, I think, for yourself in this game, because there's so many options um, just like in real life, you know, you got to set your goals. You got <laughs> to pick a goal because there's just so much to do. And yeah, this this game is fun for that because it hits so many fan bases at once. Um, but for me, it was overwhelming. And I think it's maybe because I, now I'm, not, I'm saying this out loud. I didn't set any goals for this game. Um, I just played it to, to play it. And maybe if I went back to it and I decided you know, I want to do this one thing, then I could really, you know, hyper-focus on and do that one thing really well and have that that goal measured. Um, so, yeah, set goals, folks. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good... Um, I think that really, like, pulls together my general thoughts on the game as well. I can imagine spending a couple more hours just sort of ambling around and, and messing around and figuring stuff out, but without either like a really strong narrative drive or without um, like some sort of goal that you can set or, or whatever. I, I don't know how long I could shoot asteroids. Yeah. And yeah. I think like to Adam's point there, I'm, I'm the exact same way. And the thing about No Man's Sky is that like it does have a unique gameplay, which I think sometimes gameplay can make me come back to a game regardless if there's no story, like a fighting game or like a MOBA or something like that, right? There's no story. You're just playing the game. But like the gameplay isn't like anything that knocks your socks off. Like you're kind of first person. You're kind of moving around. You're scanning some stuff. You're, you're lasering a few things. You're flying a ship, which is kind of neat. But it's it's not anything that after 10 or 15 hours you're like super excited to continue doing you know what i mean it's not like the mm-hmm. it's not like how many people love playing games like Mega Man or or you know like mario brothers or like these things that have this like super tight gameplay that you know kind of withstand the test of time because the gameplay is so great i don't know if no man's sky is gonna have that kind of right if you're not like sucked in by that like i'm looking for resources thing you're not going to come back for the gameplay do you mean like it's legacy like it's not gonna yeah so that sort of fan base that like once people get old to get tired of it they're just gonna drop it yeah i think it's that and i think it's just like reasons for gamers to keep coming back to it i think like you were saying with goals like if somebody wants to get a really neat ship or if somebody wants to build that base or get a bunch of resources like okay cool you can go do that but it's not like i'm going to come back to no man's sky because i love scanning things it's kind of like <laughs> you know I, I don't i just don't see it i don't see that being a drive for people to continue playing yeah i think like with uh so here here's my stretch with a game like tetris there's a a really satisfying feeling of clearing four blocks and like i'll come back and just mine four blocks at a time because that feels good with um stardew valley at least like when you're picking up a cabbage or something it has like a satisfying like sound like a thwack and like that just feels good (laughs) you know um and like the story is also good but you can come back after year four or whatever and and still just keep doing that because it just feels nice but no man's sky there's nothing really that I've come across yet that 
has the real nice satisfying feeling of of plucking a big old turnip <laughs> yes <laughs> adam i agree so wholeheartedly i had a quick fan theory to ask you about jesse um any chance that subnautica is a subset of this game like if you were to accidentally just land in an ocean like i found an ocean planet would that just be subnautica that's a good question um uh i think based on who your character is in no man's sky uh no because they don't work for any kind of corporation or are part of that sort of altera um uh but if if you had another character from this sort of like no man's sky universe and you looked more at like the econ- the galactic economy and like if there was an earth because in this there's no earth right um yeah if you if you picked just another character just another like guy working for um for a corporation in the galaxy it's 100% possible that that subnautica could be like you know i was just flying my ship past this planet and i got shot down by this alien gun um I think that's a really cool thing to look into um, as like a mashup. I don't know how many people are into that sort of um, trying to explain like progressive gaming, I'm going to call it because Mm -hmm. like, you know, you play one game and then you're like, hey, this reminds me of another game and then immediately jumping over to the new game and playing it with the mindset of the previous one. Yeah, as I was Um, playing, I was just imagining uh, I listened to all of the, the Subnautica episodes pretty pretty recently so the whole time i was thinking i wonder if on these planets jesse's somewhere (laughs) underwater (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we haven't talked about any physics yet and oh yeah um i am curious adam on your professional opinion about how this this game I know it's it's you know mostly sci-fi and made-up technologies and stuff, but but is there anything that stands out to you that would be like, nah, that's definitely not possible, versus like a technology that you found that's like, yeah, we're actually pretty close to having that in a few years. Yeah, um, certainly terraforming these uh, these these planets that aren't super hospitable. It was an interesting approach. It seemed like. Um, it seemed like the main thing that they were trying to do is just like create a suit that could support a person and you could just live in that suit forever as opposed to like creating a you know a kilometer squared of of and that seems like a more economical way of doing things um but you know that suit would be super sweaty and smelly <laughs> unless we evolved away <laughs> scent glands i don't know <laughs> um so I thought that was really cool, especially because like just moving around large amounts of, of um, materials to different planets to, to do all of this uh, intricate building would be uh, basically impossible. The one big sort of physics sci-fi thing that I, I didn't totally get a handle on was the interplanetary and inter-system travel. I know that there is a, a what, what do they call it, a antimatter drive type uh, argument that they make, which I'll suspend mm-hmm. disbelief. I I can only begin to speculate how such a thing would work. Seems very <laughs> dangerous, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's it seemed like it was super realism, trying to go for realistic type stuff on planets and when you're on stations. And I think that they just had to sort of make a uh, an agreement with the audience that, okay, the, the interplanetary travel and stuff is just going to be pure sci-fi because that's going to be such a hard thing to to uh, explain away satisfactorily. So a lot of that seemed like it was sort of swept under the rug. Um, yeah, you even got the like, um, if you if you're from Canada or somewhere where it snows, and you drive in the winter at night, and you get that sort of like Star Trek feel where like stars are shooting past you and snowflakes are hitting the windshield. That was like the interplanetary travel that you're talking about, where like things are zooming and it looks really pretty. That terrified yeah. me. I was just thinking like, uh, the first time I saw asteroids and I saw you could actually hit them, I like didn't want to go any faster ever again. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how do you avoid them but uh they they again made the 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 very smart call to well we're just gonna pass through them if we go too fast it's okay so maybe i can speculate on how that would work i guess like everything has a little bit of a particle wave duality type thing and uh even people walking have some sort of like wavelength maybe they really dipped into quantum mechanics and uh just turns you into a wave and less of a particle and so you diffract around it i don't know but i'm glad or like I... deflector shields <laughs> you just like you know move maybe there's like a big cone and they snow plow through the oh that's a good idea the asteroids yeah or gravitational wake in front and behind yeah is it almost but like a transposing you, yeah. where it's like looking for an open space to like push your entire ship and like matter into kind of like so if there was an asteroid here like right in front of you it would just choose like mm -hmm. the 20 feet beyond the asteroid to actually put you in kind of thing i don't know that sounds really weird but i wonder if that's kind of part of it because if it's like not going through things it's more just like you're in like a different realm like kind of like i'm bringing it back to D, &D for a second where you're like you're mm -hmm. ethereal yeah. you can move through everything yeah, yeah. see things but then like it's finding a space where you like come back into like the realm i don't know or like autopilot too, too, even. It's the simplest explanation. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Okay, here's my last chance attempt at uh, <laughs> at sci-fiing it out. It is, okay. you know when you have like a vacuum, you like evacuate a bunch of air and everything from a little vessel. And like if you were to open it, it sort of pops and everything flies in. Maybe they're doing that with space-time. They create a little vacuum thing, so there's actually nothing there. And that's why it sucks you so fast. Oh. That's kind of maybe what I'm going that for. Very I don't know. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's like a, it would be like a channel that you could pass through really quickly. Yeah, maybe. I will. Uh, I will reiterate <laughs> soft matter physics. I do. <laughs> I play with elastic bands. <laughs> <laughs> So what are the chances that uh, you could catapult yourself off a planet? With an elastic? With a big enough elastic, <laughs> yeah. like 100%, I could definitely do that for you. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to recharge my launch my launch just fuel. Rocket oh, that's okay, just hop in. <laughs> I would like to know a little bit more about how uh, how you manufacture all these things in your, your generator and uh, your, your space suit. Like, how do you turn just like carbon into something that allows you to live or how do you turn sodium into your your jet fuel like what what do you burn that would 
Yeah, there's no crafting table like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Minecraft. There's a crafting table and like a little furnace. Um, <laughs> with Animal Crossing, there's like the hammer and saw uh-huh. and like you don't know what's going on inside the dust cloud, but the noises are happening <laughs> and for some reason you're hammering this like everything sounds mm-hmm. like you're hammering. I think that's yeah, I good know, though. Because... I mean, there would be a lot, like you said, at, right at the top, like. I would like some things to be sort of glossed over and like that's a good spot to do that that yeah better better quality of life for sure but uh harder to speculate on yeah that's true like turning carbon into metal plating um seems like they really they went from like input to output and then is there's no process in the middle and yeah I think that's fine for a video game mm-hmm. to do unless the process breaks down uh like if you if you have a component that's missing yeah i don't know they did they it's weird they get you to fix some things that you know they're like oh this module's broken on your spaceship and then you fix it and it just disappears and you never see it again and you're like why did i have to fix that yeah true true <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what that did it was just a panel <laughs> well there it is now <laughs> If you like what you hear and you want to know more about the type of stuff that Adam helps produce and works on in terms of his science communication, you can check out scientificcanada.ca or on Patreon at Scientific Canada. Adam, you're on Twitter? I am, at Adam Fortis. That's F-O-R-T-A-I-S. That's it. Awesome. (laughs) kind of stuff do you tweet on Twitter? Oh, I go through these phases of like maybe one to two weeks every month or so where i'm very active um i couldn't tell you what i do there i don't know but (laughs) i've been kind of not there for the last week or two um uh, if we cross paths on twitter then you probably (laughs) would enjoy following me otherwise i don't really know what you would get out of it i can't really sell it (laughs) but i'm there there's a picture of me there i feel like that's everybody (laughs) on twitter it's like what do you tweet about uh Some hot takes, something I'm angry about, yeah. I don't know. Just, it, just we all stuff. yell into the void, and sometimes people yell back. That's <laughs> what it is. I'll yell back. Yeah. If anybody wants to yell at me, I'll yell back. <laughs> It'll be nice yelling, I swear. I swear. Congratulatory um, nice. yelling. But yes, uh, congratulations on successfully passing your PhD defense this week. Um, I know you've, uh, you've been working really hard towards that. And... Um, Again, thank you for joining us today. I had a lot of fun talking with you yeah. about this. This yeah. is, um, uh, I think we all had similar sort of gripes about the game, and we all we all um, took something away from it that was unique. So that's really cool to experience. Um, thank you for listening to the show, and um, for for being one of the uh, the founding uh, members. Let's say. <laughs> Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. To our listeners, thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening and download new episodes as they come out. Remember, we're also on Patreon at Scientific Canada, and by supporting us, you can help me buy more open world and RPG games and keep making episodes about in-game ecology. Thanks for listening and good game, everyone. 
theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston, and you can hear more of his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com. <laughs>